Hi there, and welcome to Veterinary Journal Club. I am excited to have a new guest on the show today, Dr. Rebecca Persons. Um, Rebecca is a community practice intern at the Virginia Tech, uh, not Virginia Tech, I guess, Virginia Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine. I'm still getting used to that. Um, and at, you're a recent graduate from um, VMCVM. Uh, and so welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Yeah. And so um, I've been working with Rebecca a little bit uh, here at um, here at Virginia, Maryland uh, for the past week or so, and a little bit here and there before that. Um, and one thing I've noticed is that uh, Dr. Persons is, is pretty darn good with her client communication. Thanks. And so we decided um, that today we would maybe talk about um, breaking bad news to clients. We've done a few communication series uh, talks before, and this is going to be the next one in that series. Yeah. So thank you so much, Rebecca, for coming on the Thanks show and talking me. to us. Yeah. So when, you know, it's one of the harder communication things that we do in veterinary medicine is, is breaking bad news to clients. So, you know, maybe between the two of us, we can kind of talk about like what your approach is. I can kind of yeah. say what my approach is and we can try to find like, what are the common things that right. other people can maybe learn from um, when it comes to having those tough conversations. So um, again, Think, you know, you know what I, I think might be better. Give us a little bit of your background, just okay, like a brief, sure. you know, Absolutely. minute or two uh, about your your background, so that people know where you're coming from. Yeah. So I am a non-traditional student. I had a whole different life before I decided to do veterinary medicine. So I um, grew up in Norfolk, Virginia. I'm a military brat, and I went to school for graphic design. And I have a bachelor of fine arts. So in my previous life, I was an artist and did all these wonderful creative things and um, met my wonderful husband and got married, moved to South Carolina. He was going on this long deployment and he was like, you know, what do you want to do? If you could do anything, what do you want to do? And yeah. I sort of said a little bit sarcastic, well, I'd be a veterinarian thinking, yeah. okay, I'm an artist. I graduated. I'm done with yeah. school and we're married and we're starting this new life. And he said, well, why don't, why don't you see what, what you can do to, to make that happen? Oh, that's really awesome. And I thought he was insane because I'm like, do you know how much school that is? And it's going to take forever. And so I just started, um, of course, with the Bachelor of Fine Arts, I, I took like oceanography and meteorology as my sciences. And yeah. so I sort of had to start from the beginning. So I just took basic bio 101 and chemistry 101. So that was it. He was like, maybe you should just do that. And you were like, I guess you're right. Yeah. I was thinking, well, why not? Why so not? you just needed that little that little nudge from somebody to support you and be like, go for it. Yep. That's really cool. I did because cool. I'd always wanted to do this, always. And I just thought I'm not smart enough and it's so hard to get in and all these things. And so I took a basic biology class and chemistry class and I got A's and I said, oh, well, okay, maybe... I'm a little smarter than maybe I, I, I can I do this. That's awesome. Maybe I could do this. And so I just kept going and, and then I got in and clearly, then I yeah, yeah. And then I graduated in May and it's been fantastic. And, awesome. it, and for me to think about where I was four or five, 10 years ago and, would yeah. I ever think I'd be here? There's no way I would think that. So that's, I feel like we need to bring you back just to yeah. talk about that um, <laughs> at, at some point, but um, yeah. Yeah, let's not let's not derail everything. But that's right. really cool. So yep. you you know you were in graphic design before, yes. Um, and we might recruit you for some help with that at yeah. some point too. <laughs> but um, so did anything in that world or in your what in your former life kind of prepared you for you know your communication skills when it came to vet med, or, or do you feel like you honed a lot of that during your training or on the um, job? I think just general life experiences. I had mm -hmm. lots of odd jobs, but okay. like while I was going to school and before I went to college and then even when I was in South Carolina, when we were married mm -hmm. and I had a hard time finding work, I nannied and I did all these oh. other, I was a property manager. Like I did all of these other things. Okay. So I, 
I learned how to communicate with people. I think then I also think being a spouse helps you learn how to communicate because you have to communicate. You live in a house with someone else. So you have to learn how to communicate with them. So I think those things really help too. And I think also being non-traditional, being a little bit of a, I don't want to call myself older, but a little older than your, your, the typical classmate. Sure. I think I just have different experiences and I think I also am, um, you know, I'm just not, not a very reactive person. I sort of mm-hmm. listen and I try to try to hear other people before responding. And I think that it's just also just like a life skill that you learn sure. as you get older and you go through lots of not different everybody learns that though. Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but there are things, you know, some people have natural tendencies and you can, you yep. can practice these things and, and get better. So, right. um, okay. So you felt like, you know, you had just some life experiences. You worked um, nannying, working with children, certainly. Right. It's good for, you know, patients building, working, you said, property, property management. Right. And so working with different people there. People calling you with yep. their problems at 7 a.m. on a Saturday. And yeah, you're problem like, solving, right? I'm That's, sorry that the water heater broke. We can fix that. But you could have called me at 8 because I can't call anybody till 9. Like, yeah. So that sort of thing. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, but now here you are in veterinary medicine. Right. And you've probably had some experiences as a student being involved in the the bad news process. Um, and then, you know, maybe you can share, did you have any opportunities to, to do that when you were a student to actually break the bad news? Awesome. Something that's great about the college of veterinary medicine here at Virginia tech is we have practice client communications. Uh So we actually, as part of our skills, we have a course called coming and becoming a professional. Uh And that's for the first two years of school. And you literally learn how to talk to people. You learn how to problem solve. And they even bring in actors and actresses. And you sit down and you go into a room and you introduce yourself and you pet a stuffed animal pretending like it's their pet and yeah. you talk, you figure out how to talk to people about mm-hmm. what's going on and and it's a great real life situation because you're walking into a room with a stranger yep. as a student and so it it does help you sort of build those skills talking yes. to people as well. That's really cool. Did you in that course get to practice breaking bad news to strangers? No. Okay. We did not okay. typically talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, Cause you don't want to, you know, f- scare people off like in the first couple of years. Right. So you got to, you got to get the foundational communication skills, which makes sense. So when do you feel like you got some of your first experience? Was it doing it yourself? Was it listening to other people breaking the bad news? Like how, you know, specifically in veterinary medicine, where do you feel like you got that from? I think listening to the other doctors talk mm-hmm. to people, just being in a situation where the another intern or another doctor or resident had to talk to a person about if a dog had yeah. knee or had cancer or something, yeah. you know, something just wasn't great. Just listening to them, listening to them talk on the phone. I think that really helped. And then also just taking the opportunity mm-hmm. to do it. And so when they would say, Hey, uh-huh. are you comfortable doing this? And I'm, you know, maybe inside I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm not comfortable doing this, yeah. but I have to do this because I'm going to have to right. do this. Right. And so sort of challenging myself Good to talk you. to people about things that maybe make both of us feel uncomfortable. Yeah. But, but it kind of needs to be done. So, right. No, I, I love that. And I, you know, it is about getting yourself out of your comfort zone because nobody enjoys like, I mean, maybe sociopaths, but if you enjoy (laughs) breaking bad news to people, you should maybe talk to your therapist. But like most of us aren't going to enjoy that. Like it's not like, oh, you're not comfortable with it, but it's so important. And I I don't know, um, it sounds like maybe this isn't a myth that has gotten around at Virginia, Maryland, which is awesome. But I feel like every other vet school I've been at, there's these myths that go around and and these are, they're sort of linked when it comes to client communication. It was one is that students aren't allowed to talk to clients about money. Right. And students aren't allowed to like talk to clients about bad news. And that's obnoxious and ridiculous and just wrong because it's saying, 
saying that the day before graduation, you are not qualified to do these things. And then yep. the day after graduation, you are well, solely so responsible you for doing yep. this. And you, we've never given you a chance to practice in that safe environment, which is what vet school is all about, right? It is. And so it's really great to hear that you were um, given those opportunities yes. and that you took them on because, yeah. yeah, I'll sometimes ask students the same thing. Are you comfortable having this conversation? And that's probably not the right way to ask it because of course not, because right. I'm not comfortable having the <laughs> conversation, but are you, do you feel ready to take on this challenge? Yes. Right. And so yep. it sounds like you, you did, you said, I know that this isn't fun, but I'm going to have to do this. Right. So I better do it now while I have somebody here to kind of help me. And at if, least in vet school, yeah. if something goes terribly wrong with my conversation, then I have an adult. You can fall back to and be like, oh, that say, was the student. She was confused. Um, sorry about that. Here, Let, you let's can start talk over. to my doctor. <laughs> yeah. And so you can, you can There's a safety net. get that correction that you need. You can get any yeah. constructive criticism or any advice, anything like that. Or you can even have you, them with you yeah. talking to you and helping you. Did you ever do like, any role playing did anybody ever say like well what if they ask you this or what about this or did you they just kind of like you understand the situation so go for it most of the time they would ask do you understand and yeah. then i would also make sure i understood a great so way to communicate so if i was with the cardiologist and it was something that you know physics is kind of over my head and i would say okay if i want to communicate this problem to this client is this an appropriate way to do it gotcha. so i would sort of ask you would for yeah sort of advice ahead of time yeah, to make sure perfect. i was i was telling them the correct information and yeah. I wasn't also going to freak them out by what I was telling them. So, yeah, no, I mean, it is walking that balance, right? Yeah. Between being honest with them, making sure they understand the situation. Not, not that you want to freak them out. Although I argue sometimes like, not that they should freak out, but they, they should be upset. I, I remember right. telling interns, this was years ago, back when I was a resident. Um, and I remember telling an intern or asking him like, so did the client cry? And they were like, no, I was like, then they didn't understand. You need to yeah. go back and talk to them <laughs> some more. Like there are some situations where like the client being upset is the appropriate response. Right. And if they didn't get upset, I question whether they're understanding Do what's they going really on. Understand? And so, um, and so that's really where this breaking bad news yep. and like, I'm expecting them to be upset. Yes. Like the expectation, like I'm not giving them news they want to hear. Yeah. So, so when you know that when you're going to tell somebody news that they're going to be upset about, they might be angry, they might be sad, they, they might, you know, get really emotional, they might shut down. You know, what do you do to kind of prepare yourself for that? I think I always, before I call someone in, if I'm telling them something that I know is going to make them upset, it's, mm -hmm. it's bad news. They brought their dog in, yeah. maybe expecting to not find something bad. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, okay, we have this yeah. very major problem. Mm -hmm. I try to think about if someone was telling me, mm -hmm. that's what I really try to do. I, I try to put myself in their shoes or I think about if someone was telling my parents or my sister, yeah, or how would you want them to somebody that's them? close to me? What is the best way that, yeah. how would I want them to, to, uh, to take yeah. it and how would I want someone to communicate this with me? And so yeah. I really try to be very empathetic and I always try to listen to people yeah. too. I try to stop and, and yeah. let them tell me how they're feeling and what they're thinking and you know, I feel like that's really important too, is listening more yeah. so than, Hey, I've just told you all this stuff. Okay. Do you understand? You have any questions? Just, yeah. Yeah. Do you, is that okay? You know, I want to have this conversation with you. I don't know that anyone else has. And then yeah. pausing and saying, yeah. do you understand? So I, I have developed over the years, a bunch of what, um, what I call back pocket phrases. So for certain things, not that every situation is the same, but 
I word certain things in the same way because that's easier for me to just like, this is how I'm going to start this, or this is how I'm going to have this conversation. And I find that that really helps me. Um, do you have any of those where you find yourself, you're using kind of similar phraseology? Um, have you developed any of those yet? Or You know, I don't you know. Don't I would have to think back to conversations oh, that I've had. I might have to eavesdrop on some of your conversations I, to yes, see. Yes, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, but I usually, I usually ask people, first and foremost, is this a good time to talk? Oh, that's, yeah, I that's don't a really good point. I don't just get on the phone and say, hey, I have to tell you this terrible news about your dog and, and just offload on them because what if they're at yeah. work? What if they're, you know, what That's if a really they're in a situation point. where they can't talk yeah. about it? And I say, is this a good time to talk about right. Coco or whatever? Yeah. And, and if they say no, yeah, they're driving or, and then you give them horrible news and right. And I, yeah, that's a, or really what if they're in front tip. of their children and they just don't want their yeah. children to see them get upset or something. Yeah. So I always try to ask that, that question, is this an okay time to talk? And then I say, I just want to give you an update about your so, dog. Yeah. Mm hmm. Um, we, you know, that this is what you brought your dog in for. I kind of recap mm -hmm. what they already know mm -hmm. and then explain what we have found and what that means. So when you, when do you get to the bad news? Do you, do you kind of slowly build up to that or do you warn them early that this is going to be bad news? I, I tip, well, actually, I guess I do have some, a phrase that I say a lot of times if I'm going to tell them bad news, I will say, unfortunately, yeah. we discovered X Yeah, and what that means. And you is, do that early in the conversation. I do it fairly early. Yeah. I sort of recap yeah. what they know. Sure. And then I go in, I try to go into it pretty soon because yeah. I don't want to go. And then we and you feel like you've blindsided yeah. them a we little bit. We didn't see that the blood work was perfect and this was perfect. And this right. Is great. And then you're setting but them up for by all the this way, good news. There's a huge mass on whatever, you know, right. cause I, I do want to yeah, try to talk about it early. <laughs> yeah. I do. And I also try to be very realistic about what mm -hmm. I talk about, um, just to make sure they understand the what it means fully. Right. Not just, this is what we found today, but mm -hmm. down the line. Yeah. What does this really mean for you? This is pet? what this means tomorrow yeah. in a month and a year, that sort of thing too. Well, and one of the things that I, I, one of the mistakes that I see people make is that they kind of hide behind the big words. Yes. Right. Um, they use the complicated language. They mm -hmm. use the doctor words. And at the end of the day, the client doesn't really understand what's going right. on. Um, so is, is there anything that you will do or, you know, how do you approach that to just, you know, how do you make sure that they really understand? I, I just try to use common words. Yeah. I will say, Hey, we did an ultrasound when we saw the liver, there's a big nodule on there, which mm -hmm. means that there's a mass on the liver. Mm -hmm. And that's usually, it could be consistent with X type of cancer, right? Not neoplasia. Nope. I yeah. don't say neoplasia. It's if I cancer. say, if I were to say GI lymphoma or lymphoma mm -hmm. or carcinoma or whatever yeah. I say, which is a type, which of, is a cancer. type of cancer yeah. because yeah. everyone understands that cancer means some type of growth that's abnormal. That's right. Probably not good. Right. And right. so I do try to use the common words and I try to yeah. explain things. I, and I also give them the opportunities to always ask questions after. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Do you, do you understand what that, this dog has cancer? Do you understand what that means? Yeah. And I wait for them to, you know, ask me, yeah. any questions or whatever before I go on. And then mm -hmm. I do try to use as much common and common language as I can. Yeah. And if they happen to, they get really upset or, you know, which, mm -hmm. which typically does yeah. happen. And yeah. sometimes I'll ask them before I go on, I'll say, would you like me to call you back in about right. 10 minutes? Do yeah. you want me to just let you go, let you process this and I can call yeah. you back. And that way I'm not just 
driveling on because a lot of times once they hear cancer they that, stop listening to everything it. you say yep. after that yeah and then they just won't process anything else i say mm-hmm. and so i i will ask them that if i feel yeah. like they're not hearing me or or they can't process it because they're emotional which is right. totally understandable yeah, sometimes you hear them breaking down on the other yeah. end of the phone so sometimes like, i'll do that uh, yeah, just keep going and sometimes that's for me too to be perfectly honest yeah, there fair. are times when i've talked to people and they are really upset and i've feel their emotion. And yeah. I, I asked if I can call them back. And when they say yes, I'm like, thank God, because I kind of needed that, <laughs> yeah. that 10 minutes to breathe and take a sip of water and yeah. come back to the conversation because it does hurt your feelings. Like if, yeah. if, it, do, if it doesn't, then right. are, You're you, a are you human? Are you a robot? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, this, these things do always hurt my feelings. Yeah. And when people ask, I don't know how you do this. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know how I do this either because today was a hard day. So yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a whole nother show too, yeah. <laughs> um, which is, is, one worth talking about is how do you recharge and things right. like that. But yeah, I have um, like one of the things that I do is when I'm about to deliver bad news is I just say that like, I don't have good news or yeah. I, I have bad news. I just like one, I want them just to know like what I'm about to tell you isn't good. So everything you hear after this, you know, even if you don't fully understand every word I say, you know, this doesn't mean this good things, good. right? Same thing. I don't use words like neoplasia at this point. I no. use cancer, you know, I use pain, <laughs> you know, I just don't use euphemisms, that right. kind of a thing. Um, but I tend to open with that. One thing I, I don't routinely do is ask them if now is a good time to talk and, and I probably should be doing that. So I think that's, that's a really good point of, of making sure that they're in a position to, to hear this bad news before you kind of get right into it, which is normally what I do. I just rip the bandaid off, yeah. but, but that one little step might be, <laughs> might be, is a, is a really good point, um, to just say, Hey, is now a good time to, to have a, you know, to get caught up. Um, I mean, I might say that once in a while, especially depending on what I know about the client circumstances, but it's not like routine for me for sure, but it is routine for me to say, I have bad news and I, I just get right to it. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I might then I might say I have bad news and then explain, but I open with I have bad news because I feel like sometimes people, I, like you said, what would you want if it were you? I'm like I would like to be prepped for that a little, yes. just a little bit before you tell me exactly what that bad news is. I want to be prepped for okay. I'm like almost like physically bracing myself for what's coming next, um, and I think as hard as that is for clients. So they do appreciate the honesty, right? And I've had many clients say that, like, you know, thank you for being so honest about this. Um, So I have bad news. And then here's, here's the details of that. And here's what that means. And then again, my phrase, my back pocket phrase at that point. So I have bad news or I don't have good news for you. And then I say, okay, I've just thrown a lot of information at you. It's a lot to process. What questions do you have for me right now? Um, and, and I think I've probably mentioned this on the podcast before that I really like the phrase, what questions do you have rather than do you have any questions? Um, that's the difference between an open-ended question and a, right. and a closed question, right? So do you have any questions? Yes or no? I think sometimes sends the signal like, okay, I've told you everything. Do you have any questions? Um, and if you say, what questions do you have? I'm basically signaling to you. I assume you have questions. Yes, You've got a lot. Great. What questions do you you have and then you know or same thing like you said you know what maybe it sounds like you know maybe we should take a minute and I can call you back um, does that sound good is there somebody that you can talk to you know that's just taking that opportunity to check in with them right sort of a thing um, but I like to say I'm going to pause right now because this is this is a lot I know that this is a lot to process what questions do you have at this point um, and then a lot of times they will ask their questions if, you know, depending on what we've gotten into and what that means. Um, other times they say, no, I think that makes sense. And then, you know, we figure out what the plan is moving forward. But do you have any, um, you know, scenarios or stories where you like, that didn't go well, <laughs> like, and, and not necessarily even that you feel like you didn't do anything right, but like, just how, how do you handle that when the conversation is just like, okay, I did not expect that reaction from that person. I, 
I don't know that I've ever, I don't know that I've had that reaction yet. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like there have been times when people have been upset and then I have communicated with them. I think that's Mm -hmm. something too is with all of our technology and all of these new, you know, Instagram and Twitter Mm -hmm. and Facebook and texting and it is hard for people to communicate. And so I've been in situations where someone may be upset Mm -hmm. and I volunteer to talk to them and try to figure out. And I think mostly with that, I just listen to them. I try to, and I have asked people before, what are your goals? What is it that you're looking to accomplish? And that Mm -hmm. way I, I, they know that they're being heard. And so I haven't really had any conversations like that. Something that has come up that has surprised me. And I feel like I get stuck sometimes is when people ask me, how could I have missed this? Is there anything ah. I could have done? Ah, okay. And you want to hear what my response is to that? Yeah. Cause that's okay. a tough one. It is a tough one. <laughs> here's, here's what I tend to tell people. Um, most of the time when they say that there's nothing that they, they could have right. done. Right. And so what I tell them, I said, dogs and cats are built to hide things from you. Like they're going to hide things from you. And, you know, if imagine if they're out in the wild showing weakness is not going to work for them, but also they're just, and this is, I think the like little happier side of things. They're also just a lot more, you know, selfless than we yeah. are. Like they are, you know, especially dogs, right? They're like so resilient. they don't want you to know they're upset because right. that might upset you and their whole goal in life is to make you happy. And so they hide it from you. So you didn't miss anything. This was, this is how it always happens. And I tell them, I see this all the time where a disease that I know has been going on for a while. I know it has, but there's absolutely nothing I would have expected you to see. Right. There's, there's no way for you to have known that because your dog was hiding it from you. Mm-hmm. Um, so know that you've done nothing wrong, um, that this just sucks. You know, this is a crummy situation and I'm sorry that you're dealing with that now, but there's, there's nothing that I can think of that you should have or could have done. That's great. Now that's most of the time what I say, but what about if there is something they should have done? <laughs> like, have you come across that before? I have, I have, I ha- definitely have experience. Probably my first few rotations through the mm-hmm. hospital dealing with people and decisions that I thought that clients were making, and and I was so frustrated. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is such a poor decision. I can't right. believe they're making a decision. I don't know why they're not listening to me. All mm-hmm. of these things, and that I think is also a skill in itself yeah. because it's not my job to first judge people. Right. Secondly, to make decisions for them, it's right. my job to give them all the information they need so mm-hmm. they can make the best decision that works for themselves. Yeah. And so I, that is really challenging because I, I don't know that I have been in that situation, but I I just can't remember. Like I can't even, I don't even know what day it is, but, (laughs) but trying to figure that out too, is I think maybe making suggestions to people of things they could look for in the future. Because you don't want to miss an opportunity to educate, right? Right. Like, and those you have to think about in the moment, like, is this going to be beneficial? And it's like, if they're ever going to have another pet again, like it might be something that they need to learn from. But like you said, it can't come from a, an area of judgment. It can't, and it can't sound you have like they're to being separate judged. that out. You have to like remove your own emotions from this and say, you know what? They're here. Whatever else happened, they came here for help. For help. Right. And to get advice. Let's focus on that. So yep. maybe they should have come in sooner. That's fine. Um, and maybe you're upset that they didn't and they, you feel like they should have known better. But at the end of the day, they're here now for help. They, they want help. And if you want to be able to help them now and in the future, you've got to leave your judgment at the door. But having said that doesn't mean you have to lie to them if there's something they could have and should have done differently or better that they could do next time. But you can, I think, still offer that um, that information, that education from an area of understanding and grace and empathy and say, you know what, I know it's really hard and, you know, 
you're you're not a veterinary professional right right it isn't your job to know this um having said that like yeah i mean this is an opportunity for you to learn and if you're ever in this situation again yeah, maybe you could have done some things differently. I'm not saying that you should have known to do that at this point, but now you do. Right. Now you know. And so now if you're ever in that situation or if you're ever in the position to offer advice to a friend, you know, you could you could talk to them about how things could have gone differently. Um, and so I think there's a way that you can tell them that like, yeah, let's acknowledge that this this didn't have to be this way. Yeah, because I don't, I don't point. want you to think that, no, there's nothing that could have been done if, you know, your dog got hit by a car three days ago. And if, if you had brought right. it in on, at that time, like, yes, right. you should have done, of course. Or you, you saw know? it chewing on a bottle of Tylenol right. and you didn't take it away from it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Like so now, you know, um, so maybe the outcome today isn't very good, but let's, let's not have this tragedy be in vain, right? Let's take what we can from this and let's learn from this and let's make this a meaningful experience. This is not for me to assign judgment or blame to you, but is to say, let's, we can all learn from this. And, and so I do kind of fall back. You're not a, you're not a veterinary professional. Right. It's not, a, you're, it's not your job to know. How would you um, possibly know this was happening yeah. unless but in Someone the future, you if you were to see you. something, know that we're here to help you. Yeah. There's somebody available. You know, if, if you're in a 24-hour facility, here's our number. Call us anytime. There's always somebody to help you. If you're not in a 24-hour facility, help them figure out where they can call. Like, what right. is the nearest number? Give them poison control. Give them a local emergency clinic and say, if you ever aren't sure, you're better off to call. Also good resources. I, yeah. I will tell people that too when I'm having a conversation with them and I say, your dog has X. This mm-hmm. is what this means. I will sometimes tell them or often always tell them, please don't go searching on google.com yeah. for whatever you find is may not be good information. It, yeah. may, it may be terrible information. Yeah. I will give you reputable resources yeah. for research if you want to look this particular yeah. condition up because I have yeah. had, you know, Dr. Google's our favorite other sure. doctor besides <laughs> yeah. Dr. Google's our favorite veterinarian. And so trying to to help people find the right information yeah. too, yeah. because that I think that's good to say, often. if you're interested, I can provide you with more information. Or I think the flip side is, you know, if you do want to do some research, that's fine. If you come across anything, you know, send it my way and I can look over it and make sure that it's good information because, you know, the internet is a wonderful place and it's full of really good information, but also some really bad information. It's also a deep, dark hole. And, and <laughs> exactly. But also I'm here to support you and to help you sift through that because um, right. I love it when clients are interested to learn more. Yes, like I too. love that. I want to encourage that, but they do have to know that the internet yes. is a dangerous place at times when it comes to those, those information, like you said, those black holes. And, yeah. yeah. And I found this group and they said this, they do this and they swear it cures cancer and I want to be like, well, then everybody would never have cancer ever again. Right. And they so would that, have won the Nobel Prize. It's, by so now. it's tricky. <laughs> so I do try. I just try to make sure they're informed. And I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm an information person and I like all mm-hmm. the information. And I know not everyone likes that, too. I know sometimes people have different levels of information sure. they can handle. But I just try to make sure that they feel when we get off the phone, yeah. I don't want them to get off the phone and look at the phone and go, what the heck just happened? Right. So. You want them to feel comfortable that they can reach out to you if you if they have questions. Right. Um, and, and that's really the key. And um, it sounds like you have some back, back, back pocket phrases. What it, what it, you said one earlier um, and I can't now I've forgotten which one you commented <laughs> on, um, but you were like, oh, yeah, um, you, you, you probably do have a bunch. You just aren't I aware. Pro- of them yeah. Yet. I, now um, I'm going to be thinking about them, though, when I talk to yeah, people, because I feel um, like I do give people bad news like once a week, probably. Yeah. 
Exactly. So yeah, I'll have yeah. to think about it. Is there anything that I say or maybe things I can work on too? So. Yeah. Uh, no. And it's just, I think we all kind of develop those things that we tend to say. And, and some of them are expressions of empathy. Yes. Um, do you, because, you know, when we learn about, you know, how to express empathy, some of the phrases that, you know, are suggested, I'm like, I would never say that. That doesn't sound right. And I feel like a lot right. of people have that. It needs to feel natural, something that you would say. And that's where I think those back pocket phrases are also helpful. Um, oh, that's what it was. It was it was something like that. Oh, crap. It's on the tip of my tongue. You said it earlier. Yeah, um, I don't remember what it was. And that's all right. But yeah. do you, can you think of any, um, you know, any expressions of empathy that you know that you use? I, first and foremost, the whole COVID thing has thrown mm -hmm. me off because I am a very like touchy-feely, huggy person. Yeah. And and I have given so many hugs to so many clients in the past. And mm -hmm. so I I do tell them, I'm so sorry to have to tell you this over the phone. Yeah. That's yeah. one thing I always say yeah. to people because mm -hmm. cause it just feels so impersonal. Impersonal yeah. and so cold and yeah. just really inappropriate. Like, oh, I'm yeah, telling you. I that, should be able to look at you while Right. I'm I should be able to this. look at you. I should be able to read you. You should be able to see my face and that mm -hmm. I feel really, really bad about telling you yeah. this. And so I, I do tell people that I'm so sorry to have to tell you this over the phone. I'm so sorry that I had to give you this bad news, mm -hmm. you know. I always tell them that their dog or cat is fabulous and a great patient. And we've been so yeah. lucky to have them as our patient. Um, and I, it, if they want to make the decision to euthanize mm -hmm. or anything, then I'm always happy to talk them through that yep. and explain to them the process and, and yeah. let them know that it is not the wrong choice. Yeah. And yeah. I, cause you know, people also, one of the favorite things that people like to ask us all the time, what would you do if it's your dog? Yeah. And, and there have yeah, been what do you so say? many situations that I have been in that like not even a client asking me that I'm sitting there looking at this animal going, what, what the would heck would I, I do? do if this were my mm -hmm. own pet? And so I tell people most of the time that, that, I can't make that decision for them. It's mm -hmm. not my animal, but that I've been in situations before mm -hmm. with my own pets that I've had to make tough decisions mm -hmm. and I haven't regretted making, making those decisions. If I, yeah. if I've decided to euthanize, I have never turned yeah. back and said, wow, I wish I would have kept my dog alive longer. Yeah. I've never thought that. Never. Yeah. There are times when I've said, maybe I should have euthanized earlier. So it's funny that you, you mentioned that I have kind of told that same spiel to people many, many times over the years that when they are struggling with the timing of yes. euthanasia, that um, very, very frequently I've heard clients volunteer, usually when they're talking about another patient situation, they said, you know what, with our other dog, we waited too long. We right. let it go too long. We should have yes. euthanized earlier. Um, I almost never hear clients say, "We that was too soon. Yes. We, we euthanized Absolutely. her too soon. Um, and so I will tell clients that. I will tell you in general, if people if they go back and, and regret the timing of when they decided to euthanize, it's almost always that they waited too long. Right. Right. So, um, so yeah, I think giving people, and so it's exactly what you said you've experienced. And so I tell people that this is what on, on, on average, that's what people tell me. They report that they waited too long, not that they, they did it too soon. I mean, exactly. I'm sure some people have regretted their timing of things before, but the vast Possibly. majority of people look back on it and they say, now, you know, now that we have the, you know, it's, a, it's further away, it's in the past, emotionally, we, we've healed some from this. Um, we can recognize that we, we let it go too long, Absolutely. you know, and we made what is sometimes considered a selfish decision, right? right. To, to not euthanize a pet because you are not ready to let go. Um, but that's not necessarily in the pet's best interest. And no, um, another thing I like to bring up to students all the time is, um, 
you know, just thinking about who is responsible for bringing up euthanasia in the first right. place. Yes. Um, and there's some research that's been done on this where people have surveyed clients to say, who do you think should bring up euthanasia the first in the first place? Is it the client's responsibility or is it the veterinarian's responsibility? And I don't know if you've come across this before. I, um, I don't think that I have, but my personal opinion is yeah. I think the veterinarian is the medical professional yeah. who knows that this yeah. might be the time to to consider humane euthanasia, yeah, they're the ones who are going to know that it's time. And there have been people yeah. that they literally just don't know any better. They yeah. just don't know. Well, the vast majority so. of clients agree with you. Okay. Um, and so what I think is really important is it doesn't actually matter what's right or wrong. Right. Like if you think that the client should be the one to bring it up first, that's kind of irrelevant because the client is waiting for you to bring it up. The vast majority of clients, I can't remember in the study if it was like 80, it was 80 to 85% of clients that were surveyed said the veterinarian should bring up euthanasia first. And I, they're thinking what you're thinking. You're the medical professional. You understand what's going on in the situation and you know the pros and cons of treatment options and so on and so forth. So, um, and so my, what my takeaway from that study and, and, you know, that information from clients is that I should not wait for them to bring it up. And also I shouldn't necessarily even wait until I think euthanasia is the only option. Like it needs to be brought up as an option early in the conversation, even if, and I've said this to people many times, I don't think we're there right now. Yes. I don't think that, you know, euthanizing your pet at this time is necessarily the right thing to do, but it's important for you to understand that that is one of our options. Um, and we need to start thinking about what that's going to look like and when will be the right time. So I want you to start considering that now because your dog is sick enough. Your cat is in, you know, the, the type of shape that we could get to that point. So I want you to start thinking about it now. Um, and if you decided that now is the right time, then that might be true for your family right. and your situation. Absolutely. I'm not recommending that right now because, you know, I think blah, 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 whatever it happens to be, but you need to know that whatever you decide, we're going to support you. I think um, that's really important. I, I have had those conversations with people if I've given them bad news, but their animal's super healthy now. Yeah. But eventually that's going to change. Eventually these, these are the signs you will see. And mm -hmm. then at that point we should consider humane euthanasia. And I, I do try to be really honest with people yeah. because I don't want to set people up for disappointment. Right. And I just, again, I think about like, if this were mm -hmm. my parents, if this were a family member, yeah. I would want someone to communicate the truth with them and, yeah. and set and let them know th these are the true expectations. This is what yeah. will happen. This is what you should be thinking about. Yeah. And I think it helps people, um, you know, all these decisions we make about what are we going to do with our pets? When are we going to euthanize things like that? Those are incredibly emotional decisions. And it's, in it's, it's silly to think that we can look at them objectively, right? In the moment when you're trying to decide, is this the time to say goodbye to my cat? Is that an object? Of course that's not objective. No. However, However, what I think can help people is when that's a thing that's going to happen in the future, that's down the road, right? When I say, okay, I know that my cat has this, you know, bad diagnosis. Maybe, maybe he was diagnosed with bad heart disease and we're going to get him out of his problem right now. But one day in the future, this is going to become a problem. So right now I can be more objective about it, right? I can look and say, okay, well, what are the things? Um, and I'll tell people, um, you know, think of three things. What are three things? What are the three things that make fluffy fluffy? Right. You know, that's like, great. is it that he greets you at the door, he scarfs down his food and he wants to, you know, sit on your shoulder while you're sitting at your computer. Are those the things that are like classic fluffy? Um, and when he's not doing those three things, that's telling you something, right? Um, and so I tell people right now, what are those three things? Think about them now and then start paying attention to that. So as long as Fluffy's doing those three things, maybe everything isn't perfect, but the things that are like, these, are, this is what makes Fluffy Fluffy. If he's still doing that, then maybe, maybe you're okay. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on um, 
if a client says, how am I going to know if it's the right time saying you'll know? Um, I, I usually give them things to look forward to. I usually have told people in the past, you know, what are five things that make, make a dog like a dog, if they're eating and drinking. Okay. If they have a good sleep pattern, if they can use the bathroom, okay. If they want to play, if they Mm -hmm. can walk, if they can mobilize. And I have given them sort of those parameters because not, I like your approach because I really like, it's more personal to talk yeah. about what makes your dog who Yeah, because one dog are. might be a couch potato. Another right. dog might love to chase and squirrels. And the other one, and so I, I, I will ask, I'll talk to them about those things. Those are my five things. If the dog can't walk, right. if the dog can't or won't eat, if the dog mm-hmm. is up all night and never sleeping or doesn't is not interested right. in doing anything else, yeah. then I think about that and I think, you know, that means that the dog is not happy and not mm-hmm. enjoying life if it's not doing basic. Those are basic life things. Absolutely. But I haven't thought about the more personality-wise yeah. things with dogs. I, I feel like to that think is about really that because some too. dogs are like chow hounds and they never miss a meal, and others are pickier. And if they don't eat for you know they skip a meal, they've always skipped meals. And so I don't want to focus as much on those five things are obviously very important. But every situation is a little different. Yeah, that's um, very true. You know, because you have like a dachshund in a wheelchair, like right. you know that might be slightly different. So I I think. I like the personalizing it, but either way, I think you're still giving them some guidelines. You're giving them something a little bit more objective to look at. And you were very gracious when I asked you this, but I'm also not a fan of saying you'll know. Oh no, um, because you're not like, going to know. Like you're not no. going to know at all. And it's because again, it's you're too close to it. it it's a very emotional specific. thing, and that's not fair to the pet to leave it. Because if you say wait until you're ready, you'll know when it's time. Who's ever going to be ready or for that? Who's are never ready? No. And so I think again before it's time giving those giving people some advice start thinking about these things now so whether it's the five basic things that that you're talking about or or again doing a few things that are specific to this pet or maybe a combination like you know are we doing these things and then think about like one thing that fluffy does that is like classic for him and and you know he's got this one toy that he always carries around with him and when he's not doing that you know that that's a trigger for you that should get you thinking like okay maybe his quality of life is not what it needs to be. So, but I think giving people an opportunity to think about that, talk about it as a family, let's all decide, like, what are the things that we agree on is, you know, so when you, you don't always have that lead time, um, but when you do, I think it's really helpful. Then, you know, and if, you know, you're the regular vet and you work with all all the time, maybe you write down these things. You have this thing as a list, like here's the list. And when this is no longer happening, because when you fast forward to that time, and you're, you know, you as the veterinarian are saying this, it's gotta be time. You can go back and say, Hey, remember we, we talked about those things, you know, did you come too. up with this? Um, and then when, you know, when you go through and they're like, is he doing this? No. Is he doing that? No. Is he doing that? No. Okay. Well, remember what we talked about before, like kind of giving them guidance. You've already made the decision. The decision has been made. We just have to sort of embrace that at this point. So they're not making the decision now. It's already happened. I think that's really helpful for people. Um, sometimes I'll like create little um, like check marks, like, okay, um, patients in the hospital and we're trying to decide, are we going to keep going? Are we going to euthanize? And we're not quite ready now. We want to give the animal a little bit more time. Well, what are those benchmarks that we're going to use? So tomorrow I'm going to check, I'm going to recheck this blood work. And so let's, let's know right now, the blood work is either going to be better, worse, or the same. Let's make a plan today for what we're going to do in each of those eventualities. If the blood work is better, we're going to keep going. If the blood work is the same, what are we going to do? If the blood work is worse, what are we going to do? Let's, let's decide now so that tomorrow 
because it's, it's, I don't know, it's the psychological thing where I can put it off and I can make that decision right now because it's this thing that's going to happen in the future. And then once you get there, you can say, okay, well, yesterday we decided if this was going to happen, this is what we were going to do. And I feel like for a lot of clients, it's easier for them to accept that. I think so, that's really important. And I think too, if it's something specific, if mm-hmm. a dog has a prostatic mass mm-hmm. and then I explain to a client, okay, if they say, when will I know when it's time? Yeah. Well, these are the changes you'll see in your yeah, dog. That's a good point. You'll see that your dog will eventually not be able to urinate or yeah. you'll start noticing that he's urinating more frequently and yeah. it'll be lesser. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever disease yeah. process that's it is, I try point. to yeah. give them ideas too of those How things. Will if this you progress? have a brain tumor and you're, and you're seeing these th- these clinical signs yeah. and when you get to this point mm-hmm. this is that is when you yeah we would recommend humane euthanasia yeah. or or asking people what are what are their right. goals and if right. someone says oh i want to bring this animal home and i want him to be like he was before well i don't think that's, that's ever going to happen goal. yeah and just sort of i guess again just listening to people listening yeah. to what to what they need and also kind of understanding who I'm talking to too. If yeah. that's the different personalities you deal with, if it's the, yeah. the very timid older lady who's not really mm-hmm. sure what's going on and, and is she understanding versus, you know, someone else with a bolder personality on the phone mm-hmm. and that, that as well, just kind of gauging, gauging the situation and trying to make it as, as understandable as possible with these are things you will see. This is when it will be time. What are your goals? That was the phrase that I wasn't oh, okay. trying to think of before. <laughs> yeah. That was when you're like, what are you, tell me what your goals are. What are yeah. your goals for this? That was the back pocket phrase. That is one. <laughs> you brought it up again. about it, but yeah. yeah. No, that is I, one that I, I do it try sounds to like ask when people. You say. No, I think it's a good one. The other one I like to, um, my other back pocket phrase is like, tell me how you're doing with all this. Like, oh, that's, tell me that's what you're really thinking good. or, you know, tell me how you're handling things right now or whatever. Tell me about it. Students will start to recognize the idea that tell me more. Tell me more about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think um, you've asked me that once or twice. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> I have. I, I, I started doing that one not that long ago because it's a good open-ended question. Tell me more about that just to try to get you to like, you know, tell me your thought process. And I think it does actually work with clients, with students. It's a really good one. Like, tell, tell me more about what you're thinking there. Um, and it's just a way to invite people who've stopped talking because those are the clients that I struggle the most with is the ones that just shut down. Yes, and that I'm like, is really hard. Because really, I no, you have to talk now. Like, if this is, I, I need something phone, from you. Because mm-hmm. you have no idea what is going on on the other end of the phone. Yeah. What, what's happening? Exactly. So I struggle the most with that. And so that's one that I can use in that situation as well. So, okay, tell me, tell me how you're feeling with all this right now. Like, tell me where we are. Tell me what I can do to, to explain this. You know, whatever. Just tell, tell me that. First two words is really the thing. Tell me about this. Tell me more. Um, and uh, it's, it's a nice... Uh, open-ended way. It's not really a question. It's more of a demand, I guess. Um, <laughs> but it comes across more as a question or just an invitation to share your side. I'm here to listen. I want to hear about this. Tell me more about that. So um, at any rate, um, I think this was this was really helpful. I think well, this thanks. was really good um, to kind really of talk about this. It. Yeah, I feel like we have these conversations all the time in the clinic. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> so, so sometimes we like to record them so that yeah. other people can benefit. Um, <laughs> and so, yes. So thank you for coming on to Veterinary Journal Club. It was really exciting to have you. And hopefully we'll have you back to talk about some other stuff. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks. 